0: Welcome to this week's opera cheat sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn, and I'm Eric Skelly. And this week we're talking about Richard Strauss's Ariadne of Naxos, Ariadne on Naxos. Eric, a curious mishmash in some <laughs> respects of an opera.
1: In all respects, isn't it? Actually, it's. Uh it's an opera. The, the opera proper was originally composed to be a companion to uh, the play Le Bourgeois Gentilhomme. I believe it's a Moliere play. Yes. So then Strauss later went back and composed the prologue so that it could stand on its own. And um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's just a really fun opera. It's funny, it's thought-provoking,
0: but it's also musically, it just sweeps you away, actually. It's an extraordinary piece. This was, I think, the third of his collaborations with Hugo von Hofmannsthal, the librettist. Yes, one of the all-time great composer-librettist
1: pairs. Uh, The others being Verdi and Arrigo Boito and uh, Mozart and Lorenzo da Ponte.
0: So let's set this up. We've got two acts. The first act known as the prologue. Yes. And then the second act, which is known as the the opera proper, if you like. Set up the first act, this prologue. We are in the house of this bourgeois in 17th century Vienna. Yes. And he has commissioned an opera to impress his dinner guests. Yes. An after-dinner entertainment.
1: Yes, and he's also commissioned a group of comedians to come and entertain them. But as we learned in the course of the prologue, which sort of gradually introduces our, our major characters, uh, the diva comes, you know, who's the star of the opera, and the tenor comes, and they're both just egotistical maniacs <laughs> which gives the soprano and the tenor the the chance to really send themselves up which is a lot of fun and then the comedians arrive and throughout all this we have the composer of the opera who's this young man who is um this is his first commission yes it's it's a major deal for him and he uh, as young men are wont to do takes himself t- Terribly, terribly seriously, and takes his work so, oh so seriously, and everything is just of the utmost importance and the end of the world if it doesn't go exactly according to his plans. And he, you know, if anything just it, it strays from what he wants as the norm, he just he just completely freaks out.
0: At the beginning, the composer and his music teacher, they are under the impression that this opera that he has composed, Ariadna auf Nexus, is going to be the sole entertainment after dinner. Right. And, and he soon
1: finds out that that's, that's not, not the quite the case. Because this uh, bourgeois gentleman whose home they are in and has you know, he has his own theater in his own home, that gives you a, a sense of <laughs> how wealthy he is. Right. He's also he's, he's planned a fireworks demonstration at the end of the evening, and he really yeah. wants to get to the fireworks as fast as he possibly can. So he has decreed that in order to get to the fireworks faster, they will perform Ariadne off Naxos, the opera, and the comedians will perform simultaneously.
0: <laughs> 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 On the same stage.
1: On the same stage, making it up as they go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when we're talking about the comedians here, we're talking about a, essentially a Commedia dell'arte troupe. Yes, led by Zerbinetta. Right, she's the she's the leader
1: of the troupe, clearly, and she's uh, this vivacious, young, flirtatious uh, young lady, um, and it, it gives the. Uh, musically it gives strauss the chance to compare and contrast two extremely different vocal types you know because in zerbinetta you have the ultimate coloratura i mean she's all about you know this light voiced uh, filigree runs trills you know, all sorts of uh, vocal acrobatics. And then on the by contrast, you've got Ariadna, who is a Madonna. Wagnerian soprano. She is She's the other end of the scale. You have the light-voiced coloratura over here and the very heavy, uh, dramatic soprano over here that could not be further apart in, in vocal
0: character. Zerbinetta and the comedians, how do they conceive of Mixing these two things, you've got the opera seria, this this dramatic, yes. very serious, weighty Ariadne, right, with a
1: mythological setting, and uh, as as opera of old, you know, was inevitably. And so, yes, Severinetta determines. Well, here's what we'll do. We'll just they'll just perform their opera, and we'll just come on stage, and we'll extemporize, and we'll just you know, we'll just do our comedy bits in the midst of their opera. <laughs> Which horrifies the composer, who is just absolutely beside himself. And yet,
0: there's not a blessed thing he can do about it. It's either that or nothing. Let's talk about the story of uh, of Ariadne. Here we have Ariadne, the daughter of Minos, king of Crete. Right. Half-sister to the Minotaur. Yes. And Theseus, prince of Greece, has come along. He has, with the aid, the assistance of Ariadne, has murdered the Minotaur, gone into the labyrinth.
1: Yes she's because basically portrayed her people to help him. she's fallen in love with him and in return for that he is to take her with him uh, when he
0: leaves and he says that he'll marry her. Yeah oh, absolutely. And so off they sail into the sunset, he comes across the island of Naxos in the Aegean and... Ditches her. Then <laughs> Dumps her out on the sand. What a guy, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, he pretty much does. And so that's where we find her at the beginning of the opera proper. She's lamenting. This lost love, I mean, she was r- clearly really into him, and she talks about in her opening arias, she says, you know, there was this there was once this glorious creature called Tezois Ariadna, Theseus Ariadna. They were one in her mind. They were a single being. Her very being was fused with his. and now here she is, what she got nothing. She's
0: left with n- literally nothing, and she doesn't want to live anymore. She's in this cave, and she's. She's hoping for the appearance of Hermes, who will, who will take her to her death. Yes. That, that transformation into death. And She longs for it at this point. That's all she has left to even look forward to. Because she's been betrayed by this one man. Yes. And then we have the arrival of Zerbinetta. in <laughs> the
1: comedians.
0: <laughs> and what does Zerbinetta tell her? Zerbinetta tells
1: her, oh, honey. <laughs> you know. Don't sweat it. You know, you lose one lover, a new one comes along, and all is solved. You know, just wait for the next one to come along. That's all you need to do.
0: And we have there that contrast, then, between the the comic and the tragic, don't we?
1: Oh, my gosh. It it is so funny. when, when 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 this opera is staged, it is so funny to watch... You know, this very serious Ariadne. I mean, she is so into her own grief. I mean, she is just completely self-absorbed in her grief, really. And then, you know, (laughs) pops these comedians just hamming it up for all they're worth. Uh, and telling her, you know, oh, don't, don't even sweat it, honey. And Zerbinetta, actually, after Ariadne's big aria, Es gibt ein Reich, where she talks about, you know, this, this being, Tezois Ariadne, that was once this amazing thing, and now it's gone, and she longs for death. And Zerbinetta comes in and sings this amazing aria that begins with the words, "Großmächtige Prinzessin. And this is probably the most... Incredibly difficult coloratura aria, perhaps ever written. It's 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 just got all kinds of chromatic runs and 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 difficult filigree. It is not for the faint of heart, uh, and it is really
0: spectacular when you can have a soprano that can knock it out of the park. What is Strauss driving at here? We have these two sort of seemingly disparate parts. We've got the prologue. And then the opera itself, Ariadne auf Naxos, and this sort of conflation of the comic and the tragic. What is he driving at? Well, but you know, here's the thing.
1: You get to a certain point in the opera proper, and the comedians kind of go away. And then you are left with Ariadne and Bacchus. The god Bacchus arrives. And she, first she thinks he's death. She thinks death has finally come for her and she welcomes him. And then she comes to realize that he's not and that he's actually offering to take her with him and elevate her and uh, you know, perhaps make her a goddess uh, herself. And, and they sing this really spectacular Wagnerian scale love duet to end the opera. And it, it goes probably a good 15 minutes. Uh, of, you know, big, full-scale, all-out singing. You know, and she, she, again, she falls completely in love. So she hasn't really, even though Zebrinetta comes in and says, "I kind of says, I see, I told you so. Another lover comes along and solves everything. And yet Ariadne is still true to herself and true to her her core, which is, you know, to fall completely passionately and wholly in love with one man. And so... um, it's It's very subjective to glean what Strauss is actually saying, but he's kind of
0: having it both ways. He in is a sense. having it both ways, because on the one hand, he's celebrating the comic. on the other hand, he's celebrating the tragic, and he melds them perfectly. And yet it's the grand opera that has the last word because what happens, Bacchus and Ariadne taken up into the stars. Uh-huh. exactly.
1: On the one hand, you know, he's saying you know to to opera. To Ariadne specifically, and maybe to opera in general, you don't need to be so wretchedly pompous all the time and so serious. You know, he bursts opera's bubble a little bit, but then allows it to have its moment and have its glory and go out on a, on a glorious note. So he teases it and, and, and mocks it a little bit,
0: but all the while really
1: celebrating it and glory and glorying in it.
0: Ariadne of Naxos, that's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you very much for listening.